Welcome to the Firearms Trainers Podcast, part of the ConcealedCarry.com network. I'm your host, Rob Beckman. Today, we'll be talking about thriving in Detroit. We bring this podcast to support the industry, the Second Amendment, and most importantly, every firearm instructor in America that dedicates time and energy into making gun owners more knowledgeable. This episode is also brought to you by our friends at the FTA, the Firearm Trainers Association. Visit their website at ftaprotect.com to learn more about their instructor coverage they offer and their competitive pricing. Receive a special 10% off on your policy by entering promo code FTP10 at checkout. This episode is brought to you by the ConcealedCarry.com business directory. Did you know that you can get a free listing for your instruction business on ConcealedCarry.com? Visit biz.concealedcarry.com and add your business for free. It will be searchable online and to potential students who use the ConcealedCarry.com mobile app. Claim your listing today. Today, we are joined by Rick Hector from Detroit CCW. Welcome, Rick. Thanks for coming on the podcast today. Hey, man. Thank you for having me. Glad to be here. We really appreciate it. You're the third instructor in our series of uh, instructors and how they're either thriving or surviving in different cities around the country. Mm -hmm. And one of the things I think that's really interesting is that when you go along and realize as firearm instructors, we have a lot of the same problems no matter where we are. And at the same time, there's some unique instances or unique problems that we have in each of the localities that it's good to share and realize how people have been able to work around those as well as being able to thrive in those different environments. But hey, before we get into those other questions and everything, not everybody might know who Rick Ector is. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself, Rick? Oh, man, that is so open-ended, you know, and I am like definitely my most favorite subject to talk about, right? <laughs> I'm a firearms trainer. I have been a National Rifle Association credentialed instructor uh, for approximately 12 years. Nine of those years, I have been a training counselor who is someone who is credentialed by the NRA to train interested people to get the desired skill and training to train other people to be firearms instructors. I uh, have not spent the bulk of my 52 years associated with guns. Uh, relatively speaking, I'm a newbie in a, in a sense. I've only been a trainer for about 12, 13 years, and that came about when I had an epiphany as I was approaching my residence in the late fall uh, several years ago, and I was accosted by two men who proceeded to rob me at gunpoint in my driveway. So it was at that point that I decided that I'm going to have to make a decision. And my options were to flee my neighborhood, to flee my community, or to take on a more active role in my personal protection. You know, with a little investigation, a little self-study uh, with uh, doing my research. I found that a lot of things that I was hearing about guns, particularly here in the Detroit urban community, there were a lot of falsehoods. There were a lot of things that people believed and were sharing freely amongst themselves and with their neighbors that simply were not true. In the aftermath of being robbed, I literally devoured everything that I could find. 
one of the breakthrough moments I found was I came across a site by a gentleman who is now a very good friend of mine, Ken Blanchard, who runs the site, uh, Black Man with a Gun. Some of your listeners may be familiar with that, and I actually had an opportunity. That's a good podcast there. To meet Ken, Ken myself at my very first uh, gun conference that I went to, that was also a uh, evolution in my journey as a gun rights advocate. And then I saw the efficacy and the value of networking with fellow trainers who have similar experiences. I find that I'm usually the statistical oddball. Usually, when I go to different places, people typically you know, have been in some way, shape, or form, had some relationship with guns. They were brought up with guns. They had parents with guns who taught them about guns when they were were young, and it was a a rite of passage for me, myself particularly. It was uh, a brand new world, man. It was kind of like Alice in Wonderland. You know, I fell down that rabbit hole, man, and it's been a journey ever since. There have been some great experiences that I've had. There have been some incredible people that I've met along the way. And as I get older, I'm 52, and if I make it to September, not that anything's wrong with me, you know, I find that in this era of my life that I've been spending a lot of time reaching back to ensure that there's another generation of gun rights advocates behind me to ensure in my twilight, man, that there are some people with a lot of fire in the belly who are willing to preserve and dare to try to extend the rights that we enjoy today, man. But it's, uh, it, it's, been, it's been a journey, man, and I'm telling you, uh, there was a book that came out that says that the journey, you know, it's all about the journey. The journey is its own reward. And when our when our, the sun sets on ours, you know, we hope that we've left uh, impressions upon the youth behind us, so they can carry on the work that we're doing. You know, that's the one thing that I really appreciate, man. Is that before I took on this this new life as someone who was firearm and personal protection and self defense aware, you know, I just want to pay tribute to all those people all those gun guys, all those gun gals that are out there that have steadfastly fought for gun rights so that when I personally was ready, that I could pick up the mantle and and fight for the cause. And I feel an obligation to do what I can to ensure that the freedoms that we have currently, that they're at least available to the generation behind me, because I'm so grateful for what has been done until I received, until I got onto the scene. Mm-hmm. Most definitely. So, hey, Rick, real quick question. I mean, you gave us a little bit of background on how you got into it and things like that. But what kind of environment are you working in as far as uh, teaching your classes and things like that to give our listeners a little bit of uh, idea of, how, of the environment? And then we can get into how you thrived in that environment. Well, I mean, you know, I I live in urban America, man. And uh, when you talk about uh, toughest places to be, man, Detroit, for the bulk of my life, and as I mentioned before, I'm 52 now, Detroit has always been a very dangerous place, man. I mean, sure, we've lost a lot of population, 
But still, we are perennially in the top five every year for violent crimes. My community is one in which if you were to cut on the news, it wouldn't be uncommon to hear about carjackings, robberies, rapes, murders. You know, it's just one of those things, man, that you, you know, I hate to say it, you kind of become numb to it until something just so over the top outrageous from a crimes perspective that it makes you go, wow. You know, I thought I've seen it all. Wow. I didn't think that each and that any individual instance of crime could be so brutal and so evil and so heinous where it actually still is able to shock your numb senses. But, uh, you know, for better or for worse, man, it's home, you know, and a lot of times mm-hmm. when I go out of town, you know, I still have this street savvy space conscious awareness that is just a mindset and a way of living, man, that, uh, you know, it, it's the thing that I truly appreciate because as a firearms trainer, we're always talking about awareness, 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 you know, the, the most important thing about protecting yourself, personal protection, is awareness. And I definitely have that, man. If mm-hmm. I don't know you, you don't know me, I'm not going to allow you to get within striking distance of me. If you start approaching me, I will throw my hand up with my fist out like a traffic cop, and I'll tell you in a very stern voice, hey, look, that's far enough. What you want to say to me, you can say it from there and look you dead in the eye and assess the situation. Sometimes, you know, I, you know, you, you can second guess yourself and say, ah, well, you know, gee, I guess I overreacted there. But, you know, sometimes you get a reaction from the person that leaves you with the sensation that they were really up to something and up to no good. Yeah, well, it's the uh, social distance before the uh, COVID nineteen <laughs> came about, and you know, yeah. those people that are that are situationally aware realize that if they got close enough that you could uh, cough on them now, that that was way too close. That you want them, you know. And you know, I, I put in a, a further uh, away. I made a statement on my social media, you know, not too long ago, man. When everyone's talking about, you know, some of the social, you know, things that we do is going to have to change, and one of my Facebook statuses was that, man, if you're a gun carrier and you've been trained correctly, you've already been practicing social distance, you know, or where you don't allow people to get within your personal space. That's just a thing, you know. If you don't know me, I don't know you. There, there's no way I'm going to allow you into my space. My space is only for people that I know well, more than likely it's on some level of intimacy, rather it's a close friend, family member, or someone that I just instinctively, I shouldn't say instinctively, but that I natively trust because they earned the ability to be in close proximity to me, man. And it's, you know, and and I guess in this COVID or coronavirus, however you want to, you know, describe it in this environment, you know, uh, social distancing and keeping your personal space intact is something that we're all going to be more familiar with in the, in the coming days. And hopefully not the months and years that some of these so-called experts are prognosticating. Yeah. You know, one, one thing that struck me as you were talking about the environment that you're working in, you know, your neighborhood and things like that. I think one of the things that people really need to realize, um, because I've had 
you know students uh, come from the, come from you know inner city also is as much as there's a lot of crime in the inner city and urban areas, there's also an awful lot of really good people. Um, there are man, you know, and, and that's the one, and that's the difference that people really. I mean, it's not all bad guys. I mean, there are, not, there are man. people I mean, there for no other. You know, that's the only place they could find to live. They're you know a college student. They're you know somebody who's retired, and you know those types of things are good people. And that's where you know reaching out and really helping them can really make a difference in in those people's lives. You know, when I when I talk to people, <clears throat> when I talk to people about some of the actual real life challenges that we have in Detroit. You know, I find if I'm just too vivid and just too graphic in terms of my description of, of what's actually going on here, man, it's it's kind of like I'm painting a really dark picture. But you know what? It It's home, man. And mm-hmm. uh, it will always be home. It, you know, and, and I tell people, you know, it's kind of like uh, Escape from New York. I don't know if you remember that old movie. With yep, I remember Kirk that. Douglas, you know, where mm, they just the criminals. They just, you know, parachute the criminals down into into the old urban cities, and it's just crime everywhere. No, there's some really great, decent people, and sometimes the local news media sometimes they stray from their pattern, and sometimes they actually, you know, and I think at times go out of their way to actually find an occasional feel good story about the real good people that we have in our community who are doing positive things despite some of the bad things that are occurring. And, you know, there was one, uh, one uh, guy, local newscaster. No, it wasn't a local guy. It was this uh, well-known public speaker, man. And he had a TV talk show during the daytime. Oh, uh, and he was doing a show, and it was all about positivity. You know, what was his name? Wes Brown what was his name? I think that was his name. And uh, it was just all about positivity and great things that people were doing. Well, this show, despite, you know, the great personality who was hosting it, it was an abject failure because I, I guess, and, and it's a sad indictment on our society, man, we don't want feel good news 24/7, you know. We mm-hmm. want bad news, man. We want to hear about the murders, we want to hear about the robberies. We want to hear about the rape. We want to be shocked. We want to be shaken to our core. We, we want to We want to hear those hear people are doing very, life in prison and everything else like that. Right. We want to just see the 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 worst that's possible, the things that, you know, negatively that we can do to one another because Ultimately, you know, I don't know what it really says about us as people and as a society, but that's what we respond to. And it's good for ratings. And, mm-hmm. You know, a lot of times when you look at your local newscast and you hear, you know, some of the stuff that they, you know, that they highlight. Well, the only reason they highlight it is because we respond to it. You know? Exactly. So, hey, Rick. An environment like this, that's, you know, so, so tough and, and same thing with media that's against, you know, a lot of good stuff. How do you market your classes and and reach those, those good people that are in the community who could benefit from having a concealed carry license, or at least learning a little bit more about firearms? Well, you know, I've taken, you know, the, uh, the, uh, the scenic route, man. And, 
and uh, the uncommon root, and it and it's made really. I think all the difference in the world. The the, the approach I've taken, man, has been. Uh, I, I'll say if if you're a new instructor, the best way to cut through a lot of the growing pains that you will inevitably suffer, man, the best way to make it, man, is to find you a good mentor, man. Somebody that has been doing it for a while, someone that has achieved a certain level of respect, a certain level of technical proficiency, demonstrated product knowledge, presentation ability, you know, someone who really is good at what they do, man. And I'll tell you, it's real easy to find a mentor if you want one, you know, find someone who's doing it the right way and who is technically proficient and is having some success and donate your time to learn what you can. You know, I know when I became an instructor, man, I was, you know, real green. You know, the ink was still uh, wet on my uh, credentials back then. They didn't send us PDF files. They actually mailed us the certificates, you know, in the mail. Mm -hmm. And you could still smell the ink on the paper. You know, I actually was looking for a mentor, man. And, and the environment that, that existed when I came through, man, it was so cutthroat competitive that, uh, you really couldn't, you know, donate your time to learn someone because it was so dog eat dog competitive, man. But uh, I would say beyond a shadow of a doubt, that's the way to go. But I'll tell you one thing, though. My, my approach enabled me to meet other people who were of the like mind is that uh, the market for firearms training isn't just a zero sum game where there's winners and that there's losers, man. There's enough business wherever you are in your market for everyone to win. The thing is, is that you just have to learn not just necessarily the business of firearms instruction. You need to learn the skills in business in general. The firearms instruction industry is no different than any other industry. You just need to know how to market. And yes, if you're a professional firearms trainer, it is expected as a professional that you know your job, that you know the fundamental rules of firearm safety, that you know how to operate a gun, you know how to clean a gun, that you can shoot very well. That's the bare minimum. That's, that's what you need to be a firearms trainer. There's a whole other level that you don't get in firearms instructor certification, and that is the business of business. And part of business is doing your accounting so you don't get in trouble with your taxes and all that other stuff. But as a business owner, your chief job is the marketing of your business. And you, you ask firearms trainers, well, what business are you in? And they say, well, I'm a firearms trainer. No, you are a marketer of a firearms instructor business. And man, there's a lot of ways to do that, but mm -hmm. it all boils down as to how do you get the word out? And there's a lot of uh, conventional and unconventional things you can do. Man, I'll tell you, if I can leave just one lesson or one suggestion 
once you become a professional firearms instructor, okay, you've done the bare minimum. Now you need to devote as much time or even more to learning marketing, marketing. How do you market? I mean, you know, you look at the really simple stuff. I remember when I first started out, I didn't even have a budget, man. All I had was some good shoes with good leather, and I printed up flyers and passed them out door to door. You know what? Was it laborious? Was it hard work? Yeah, but you know what? The phone rang, and I had business because I really wanted to succeed in this thing. And then you look at, well, look at your online marketing. Do you have a website? You'd be amazed at how many people still don't have websites. Mm-hmm. Business cards. How many firearms instructors do I run into that don't have business cards? Networking, going to conferences, meeting other firearms instructors in person. I'll tell you one great networking opportunity is the trainers meeting at the NRA annual meeting. Unfortunately. Definitely. This year's NRA trainers meeting didn't happen because, you know, the the conference itself was canceled because of this whole COVID virus thing that we're going through now, man. But I would love the trainers meeting, man. And you know what? I had an opportunity, you know, based on some exposures I've had for people to be familiar with me and where I was actually invited to do presentations, you know, at the trainers meeting you know, to give them some marketing tips, man. And uh, I'll tell you, blogging, social media, all that stuff is big. But there's some unconventional things that people don't do, man. And it's something I think the average instructor, it, it, it plays to their strengths because as a profession, we are required to walk into a room cold, probably full of people that we've never seen, we've never met before, and we have to carry an educational curriculum for that day, however many hours it lasts. And not only do you have to transfer that information, but you need to do it in an entertaining style. Vary your pitch, vary your cadence, vary the speed in which you speak to people, you know, or just bring it down low. The cardinal rule of instructing, whether it's firearms instructor or any other type of instruction, is do not be boring. Do not put your students to sleep. You will Mm -hmm. never get any referrals. You have to be, to a certain extent, an entertainer. You need to master the art of speaking. Every firearms instructor should be a public speaker, and there is a difference. You know, just being on a podcast, man, is is good public speaking experience. You know, being able to take information that you have that you learned and being able to effectively share it with an audience, man. You know, this is a form of marketing. Being on your show is a form of marketing. I am a resource that you're using to educate your listeners. Well, the, the relationship that we've started here today is reciprocal because by being on the show it can actually in a sense be a form of marketing you know what why not have your own podcast delivering your tips or your own newsletter where you're sharing individual things that are happening in your community and giving your personal spin on it as a matter of fact i am i was today before i got on this show today I was coordinating a uh, a rally that we're going to do here 
in Detroit where we're going to actually do it uh, in Lansing at the uh, at the state capitol. We're going to do a uh, a protest rally, and it's going to be held of it's going to be held to address a criticism that <clears throat> has been levied, and I'm finally going to address it. One criticism that has been often lobbed been lobbed at the firearms industry or the gun rights movement at large is that they don't ever see too many people of color participating or being in the audience. Well, I'm just going to take that head on. I'm going to have a rally that I'm coordinating in a couple of weeks and we're going to do it at our state capitol in Lansing and it's going to be full of black and brown people having a rally for gun rights, you know what? And it's gonna be a great thing. We're going to affect change and we're gonna change public perception. And it's gonna be a huge marketing and network opportunity. Not great opportunity to get, get there. If there's other instructors out there that are in the area, come up and support you as well as network. And the, the, if you get to. anything from what I'm saying, you got to put yourself out there, whether in real life. And I think public speaking is a great way to do that. You know, I know I do a ton of uh, speaking, man. You know, not only do I speak to gun rights groups, you know, I speak to, you know, various different organizations that want positive motivational speakers they want business speakers just speaking speaking will open so many doors so many pathways so many opportunities are you aware of how many organizations there are in america locally even in your community in which they have meetings and they have this meeting planner who's looking at at the agenda and they're like oh my god there's another meeting we have and i have to find a speaker Call these people. They are dying to hear from you. And they are a captive audience. And if you do even a modest job of presenting, you now have access to their membership, man, especially if they're sending out emails. And you can leverage their emails by including information or articles, or contact info. Man, I'm telling you, it's all out there. You just have and to And make speak. sure you bring your business card to those kind of meetings, too. You oh, know, absolutely. You never want to leave somebody's hand empty. You know, I would even go so far as to have a resource that you're going to offer to them, set it up to an autoresponder and tell them, you know, it's for, you know, the offer is being made for the duration of this meeting. You know, put together a small ebook, man, in a PDF format. You know, you any instructor, even a brand new instructor can come out with a PDF document of of some resource knowledge that they have. For example, uh, Bob Johnson's top 25 tips for being in Cleveland, Ohio to make you and your family safe. Anybody can do that. Put that mm -hmm. out on a server somewhere hook it up to an autoresponder, get somebody over at Fiverr to create you an attractive-looking book cover or software cover, man, and just blast that thing out. And now you're going to find that you have an email list of prospects. And see, no, I didn't learn any of this stuff in a firearms instructor development training class, man. I learned this stuff from studying Marketing. If I, I leave your students or your listeners with anything, man, 
study and learn and master marketing. That's very profound because uh, there's been a couple of people we've had on this year so far that have talked about how they're working. You know, Mike Seeklander in, in particular talked about, you know, how he's reading books on marketing, which shows you just even for somebody like that, that who's uh, nationally known, still has to work and, and, and do marketing better so that it is you know, a, it grow is its a, brand and things like that because you really are your own brand. You are your own brand, especially in this day and age, man. And let me tell you, it's expected that you are an expert in firearm safety and firearms instruction. What's going to, and that's the other thing, you know, and I don't want to get too deep into marketing, but I'm really into it. You have to determine what makes you different from the other guy. What is the thing that you're going to hang your brand on when people say they want to firearms instructor? Are they going to label you as the lowball artist, the person who only gets students because he's cheaper, less expensive than everyone else? Or do you want to be that guy that specializes in training women how to defend themselves in urban environments? Are you going to be the guy that specializes in training businessmen and businesswomen how to protect themselves or how to protect yourselves in environments that are uh, not firearm friendly. You need to find something that is just you and be the best at that and play it as your strength and as your key asset as to why people want you. Everyone is not your customer. You have to figure out who out there you want as a customer and you devise a product to give them for free to join your newsletter and you pump them out information on a regular basis with a pitch at the end, with a sign up link. And over time, you will be a lead generating machine. That's that's I'm really, giving really solid gold here, man. Oh yeah, that's just, that's. Just, I'm, that's I'm telling stuff. some stuff here that I hope my competitors don't listen to and figure out how I keep my classes full and try to you know dip into what I'm pulling in. But uh, like I said, it's to be. I'm joking, you know, because really, in a sense, it all depends on how you see yourself in your market and how you differentiate yourself from other people. So really. You're in competition with the other trainers, but you're really not because you're offering something that they're not, and you're the only one that has it. You just have to figure out what it is, make it your strength, and hang your hat on it, and these are your customers, and they will bring you people who are interested in what you provide because of the great service that you gave to your customers. Hey, Rick. Uh how many people do you train annually approximately to give our audience a little bit of idea of, of how this can work if you do it right? Well, I mean, you know, really I can train as many as I want, but you know what, from a, from a delivery standpoint, man, I found from my own personal experiences, you know, I don't like to do classes more than 20 people. 20 people is like my limit that I do. And I, and I don't limit it to 20 because I can't do more. I could have classes of 40 and 50 if I wanted to. I found that for me, that's my sweet spot in terms mm -hmm. of 
how I like to deliver and the value that I want to give to students. When I think when you go beyond, you know, 20 students, you're going to, you, you're going to, you're going to straddle that fence where you have too many students in the class and you're stifling curiosity because the person doesn't want to raise their hand and ask a question that they think everyone else already knows the answer to. And you don't want to be in a situation in which you have too many questions and you're really cutting into your presentation time. Mm-hmm. You know, I am mindful of the fact that, you know, in a way, our business is really like show business, depending on uh, what your resources are. You know, if you're renting space somewhere and you only have X number of hours, you pretty much have to stay on schedule or that yep. incur some range on a uh, range. You're, you're renting for only a certain amount of time. Range, so get range time and, and uh, the number of people that you're going to need to have on staff to actually help you teach the class. And, you know, one of my key things that I hang my hat on is that I teach one on one in the in the shooting booth, you know, and that's a that's a throttle that I intentionally put in place because, one, I want it to be a service option that I can hang my hat on. And two, I'll tell you, you know, it just so happens that the longer that I'm in business and the longer that I teach, I swear to God, those once in a million occurrences that you always hear about, well, eventually you'll have one, man. And I'll tell you, when it happens, you'll be glad that you were one-on-one in the booth with the student when it happened. Mm-hmm. You know, and I have literally have seen it all, man, you know. And, and you know as what? As soon as you, I say that, somebody surprises me with something else, you know? You know, and I tell you, man, I tell you, one of the most scary, you know, things as an instructor, man, is that if you're not close, observant and paying attention and not daydreaming as to whether you left the stove on and someone gets one of those hot brass, you know, going down their shirt and they just completely forget that whole speech you gave them earlier about keeping the gun pointed downrange, you know? You literally have to be on your toes and be ready for anything because ultimately you took on the responsibility to ensure everyone's safety, man. If you need yep. to take hold of a gun affirmatively and safely, then that's something you need to do. Exactly. Just a question for you. Um, how hard is it for your students, or I shouldn't say just your students, but overall in Michigan where you're at, Detroit obviously, to get a concealed carry license? Well, one of the great things about the state of Michigan is, is that we have what's known as uh, state preemption. And uh, this was something that, man, I'm telling you, I am so glad that was put on the books. And, and essentially what this means is that no matter where you are in the state, only state law is applicable to guns and ammunition law. You know, And, and in a nutshell, what it means is that some town in the upper peninsula in the far corner of the state, the gun laws are no different than in urban Detroit. I mean, they're all the same. You don't have those areas where you cross into one county. You have these different county laws or these different city laws or, you know, it's just one law, man. And that has made it so simple in terms of actually you know, delivering the content, man. And uh, it actually makes it simple. And I know when I talk about the law and I deliver the law, I always, as another key, 
differentiator to me, you know, and I make no bones about it, man. My class is usually not the cheapest class, but like I said, I've, I've scoped out the area of the market that I want to serve and the market that I want to serve. They don't have a problem paying more because the perceived value and actual value that's delivered, they see it as justified. And by having an appropriate person who has all the credentials you would want, whether they're a practicing criminal defense attorney with a track record or whether it's someone who has authored books on the subject or is a recognized celebrity. You know what? I am the guy who will have that person in class. And yes, it's going to be reflected in your tuition. But here's what one of the things I'll tell you, man, is that clients or customers or students who pay you $160 for your tuition for your class, here's one of the great things about $160 students. They bring you $160 referrals. Mm -hmm. I'm telling you, I'm giving your students solid gold here, man. Yeah. Makes sense. Really, really does make sense. Uh, One other question I have when it comes to, uh, you know, environments that you're working in, things like how, how is the uh, police support uh, or local government support in Detroit there? We've, we've um, talked to exactly some, the, some of the other local. people in New York and Chicago, and, you know, there's varying degrees of support uh, well, that they get know, there. You know, one of the great things about Detroit, man, is that we have a pro-gun police chief, and he has not been shy at all about stating his belief that law-abiding citizens can be trusted to defend their homes and to defend their families. You know, I would be naive if I assumed that everyone that's strapped on a police officer's uniform felt the same way. You know, I know uh, occasionally in the past, I have come across a few officers who believe that and feel that way. And, you know, unfortunately, there's a few officers out there who don't believe that that everyone who, you know, can meet the requirements should have a gun. There's some people out there that only think that the police should have guns, you know, and and that's fine. That's their opinion. Their opinion runs counter to the law. The law in the state of Michigan is shall issue. And you know what? In any demographic, whether we're talking about cops, whether we're talking about accountants, or whether we're talking about lawyers or radio show hosts, you're going to have good ones and you're going to have some that are not so good. But let me tell you, the good ones in every field of endeavor vastly outweigh the ones you'd rather not meet. Amen. Well, Rick, this has been a very educational um, I think you really laid on some serious gold for everybody to consider, you know, you know, like we talked in the pre-show, you know, like to go along and give the listeners that are out there, not just, you know, Hey, this is newest and greatest firearm, but also, you know, I'm going to tell you, man, no one has ever accused me of being shy, man. And you, you were so gracious to invite me to be on your show. And the thing that I want, I want this show to be a show where, People will say, hey, man, go check out that episode. Find the one that has Rick Ector on it, man. He gave so much value. He over-delivered, man. There are so many nuggets that he dropped in that that conversation that I want to follow up on it and see how I can implement that into my marketing mix and into my business. 
Because I'm going to tell you, there's enough business out there. The thing is, you have to go out and get it in the way that you get it. It's not because you're the best firearms instructor. No, you could you could be if you're a woman, you could be the next Annie Oakley. You could be, you know, the next great shooter on Top Shot, man. If you're not a good marketer, it's all for naught. You're just going to be the world's best secret. Amen on that. Well, hey, Rick, question we've been asking all our guests this year and this to help expand what people think about firearm instructors should do. But what kind of books or websites are you uh, reading to further your, your education this year? Man, let me tell you, I, the, the book that I've been uh, plodding my way through is a book that's not even about guns, man. It's about uh, character, man. It's about uh, belief in yourself. It's about a guy who... He was working as a uh, exterminator <laughs> of all things, right? And uh, he was just going out to houses, you know, that were infested with vermin, like roaches and those types of things, man. And his life just, he felt like his life just was not going the way he had planned when he was, a, you know, a child growing up and, and the type of life that he wanted, man. And and to add kickers to it, and I'm not, you know, trying to be disparaging to anyone that has, you know, weight issues, but he was, you know, overweight. And he just decided that, you know what, if I'm going to do something with my life, I need to do it now. And so this guy, this very overweight guy who was in a no end job, who really didn't apply himself educationally. He chose a most outrageous goal, man. And see, that's that's the thing that gets me, man. If you can move me with your passion, I can get swept up and caught into your passion and gain something out of your story, man. The name of this book is called Can't Hurt Me. It's by David Goggins. It's about a guy who felt like his life was going nowhere. He was in a dead-end job making minimal cash, making bare existence, and he decided he wanted to make a change. He dropped almost 100 pounds, like, no, it's more like, I'm exaggerating, more like 60 pounds in like five weeks and made the cutoff, and he joined the Navy SEALs, man. And uh, it was the most, you know, ambitious goal that he could make. But you know what? Everyone can't be a Navy SEAL, right? He mm -hmm. washed out. So what did he do? He healed up and he did it again. He went through Navy SEAL training a second time, right? Mm -hmm. Guess what? He washed out a second time in the same year. This guy, man, <laughs> God bless him, David Goggins book is can't hurt me he went to navy seal training for the third time wow. and the third time because he did not quit he made it and he persevered and if you look for this guy he's got a book that's called can't hurt me it is hands down the most inspirational book i have read in some time man and uh He's a total badass, so he has my respect and admiration, man. And and just some, just his his attitude, 
people, man. It's like I'm going to give it my all. No matter what I'm trying, I'm going to give it my all. And if I fail, well, I failed that time. I'm going to do it again until I succeed, man. And that message truly resonates with me. Well, that's a that's a great message, and uh, we'll include a link to that in the uh, show notes for everybody who wants to maybe put that on the reading list this year. Very good. Well, hey, Rick, if there's instructors out there that want to find more information about Rick De- Ector or Detroit CCW, where, do they, where can they find more information about oh, you? Oh, man, I'm glad you reminded me, man. For a minute, I was going. I was just having so much fun talking to you, you know, and, I'm a people person, man. And I, once I get into a conversation, you know, and I get locked in, man, I'm having a good time. You know, you know what? This show, you've probably limited me to about an hour, man. We could probably go another hour, two hours. But, you know, we, we talked chance. almost an hour before we got on the show. <laughs> we yeah, talked it almost an hour could. before we started doing the interview, right? <laughs> exactly. But, uh, there's an event that I do every year, man. And uh, I, uh, I was watching the newscast uh, nine years ago on my local news, and I saw this very disturbing story. It was a story about this woman's body who had been discovered on the side of the road, you know, half naked. She had obviously been sexually assaulted and murdered. And uh, it was something that haunted me for a while, man. And uh, it got to a point where it, it bothered me so that I was thinking, there's got to be something that I can do. You know, what can I do? What can I do? I probably can't do everything, but, uh, man, there's got to be something that I can do, right? So nine years ago, I leveraged my uh, exposure on social media. I might have even had a MySpace page back there for people that have been <laughs> online for a while. And I was I was leveraging my friendships with fellow firearms instructors, and I got six other instructors to meet with me at a gun range that through the gift of gab and personality, I was able to convince me to let me use his gun range for free. Got some donated ammos and we lent these women our guns. We gave 50 women a free shooting lesson that day, you know, wow. just to empower women. And you know what? Me and every guy that participated in that event in terms of training these women free of charge, no strings, you know, all they had to do was show up. We had the guns, we had the ammo, we had the range time, glasses, eyes, ears, the, the whole thing, man. And so I was talking with my buddy, Ken Blanchard, man, and I was telling him, you know, how great of a, of a boost I got out of it. And he was like, man, keep going. So the year after I did 100, and then it grew to 200, 300, 400, 600, 700. Last year, I trained 814 women how to shoot in one day. They shot 20 rounds with shooting a uh, Glock semi-automatic pistol. And my wow. goal this year before this whole COVID-19 business came up was to train a 1,000 women. And my goal to do this was, was going to be, this class is supposed to be this upcoming Sunday. Based on all the stuff that's going on, man, I had to postpone it until uh, the second Sunday in August. I believe that's August. Uh, what is that? August. Let me pull up my calendar right quick. My calendar, second Sunday in August is the 9th. August 9th, my goal 
given the constraints and hopefully some of this COVID-19 business, you know, slows down. My goal is to train a thousand women how to shoot. If you are a firearms instructor in the Michigan area, Ohio area, Wisconsin, you want to come watch a firearm spectacle. You need to join me and to partner with me and to help me train and introduce 900 women, 1,000 women, how to shoot. Now, based on some of the things that we're dealing with, this whole COVID-19 business, you know, we're going to have to re-engineer how we actually do it. But it's one way or another, I'm going to train a thousand women how to shoot. And uh, if this sounds like an event that is worthy of your time, by all means, find my volunteer group. It's on Facebook. Send a join request to 2020 Organizing Group for Ladies Shooting Event. That's the 2020 Organizing Group for the Ladies Shooting Event. You know, I'll vet you and make sure that you're a credential firearms trainer and that you're in the area and you want to participate. I'll get you in the group and uh, hopefully you'll be available to help me with this event. In general, my website is at Detroit CCW. My blog is at Legally Armed in Detroit. Find me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn. I'm telling you, if you Google my name, just based on my marketing, Rick Hector, there is literally no way you can miss me. You'll see my news stories, my press releases. I'm the real deal. But You're out there a lot, Rick. <laughs> I'm out there. There's no way you can look for me and not find me. Join me, partner with me, and I'd be glad to have you. Well, that sounds good. Well, that's a wrap for this episode. We got a few requests. One, like and rate our podcast and check out the other concealedcarry.com network podcast. And share this episode on Facebook. Encourage others to subscribe and listen. Tell them about all the gold nuggets that Rick Hector gave you today on our episode. If they don't listen to it, they obviously are not going to be able to take advantage of the great marketing advice and, and describing how he's been able to thrive in Detroit. If you have any ideas for episodes, questions, feedback, email us at ftp at concealedcarry.com. Visit our sponsors, especially the Firearms Trainers Association at ftaprotect.com and check out their instructor insurance. Being a responsible instructor means having insurance coverage. Remember to use promo code FTP10 for 10% off. And a special call out to Mike, who is having some back problems. He communicated with us. Just want to uh, do a real quick call out for him. I reached out to us and just want to let him know we're thinking about him. Remember, we bring this podcast support in the industry, the Second Amendment, and most importantly, every firearm instructor in America that dedicates time and energy into making gun owners more knowledgeable. Take the advice, everybody. Take the gold nuggets to the bank and stay safe out there. Concealed Carry Inc. and ConcealedCarry.com strives to share helpful information and education about gun-related topics, training tips, and other things that may potentially have legal implications for its listeners. The information contained in this podcast is intended in good faith, but it is important to understand that laws vary from place to place, and we encourage listeners to seek local legal advice to understand laws that apply to them. Nothing in this podcast should be misconstrued as legal advice or counsel.